When we hold on to grievance and pain from the past, we keep ourselves from being able to really move into our fullest expression of self. We need to practice forgiveness from the soul recovery perspective, dissipating the energy and releasing the past for good. If you're interested in this profound transformation, I invite you to join me in Colorado the weekend of June 8th and 9th to have an incredible experience with others on this same soul recovery journey. Two full days of immersion in the soul recovery process where you will indeed leave transformed. You will be able to truly let go of these old pains and step into a new way of being. Check out the show notes for a coupon code and how to register. We are currently doing a series on the 12 steps, an Al-Anon book study of the 12 steps. And we're using all kinds of different literature. And each time I look at one of the steps, I think, okay, and I look in one book and I look in another book and I think, how can I find the piece of literature that is coming at the step from the closest to soul recovery? Soul recovery is something that I've termed that is utilizing what I learned in the 12 steps, but expanding that in spirituality, expanding that journey, this path, the spiritual path to a happy and healthy life, utilizing metaphysics, utilizing new thought, utilizing the amazing teachers and what has come out in the last especially 20 years of psychology, positive psychology, helping us understand ourselves better helping us turn the attention to ourselves, make different choices in our lives. Most of you have come here because you're affected by somebody else's behaviors. We are here to work on ourselves. So we are in the fourth step. And I think today I'm going to be able to do fourth, fifth, and sixth steps because they kind of go together. So let's see how that goes. In looking at the different literature, I decided I wanted to read out of Reaching for Personal Freedom from Al-Anon. It's actually a workbook, and it is a really great workbook that helps you work with a sponsor or on your own to think about the steps and be able to process them. Just hearing them read doesn't give you a lot of instruction. So I'm going to read, starting with step four, right out of the workbook, because I really loved the way that it talked about it. So here we go. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. It says, step four helps us to find the truth about ourselves. If we blame others for our own shortcomings, we continue to live as victims. But if we look at our own behavior, perceptions, and attitudes with genuine honesty, we realize much of our misery is self-inflicted. Wow, that's that's an honest truth. Although step four fills many of us with fear, completing a, quote, searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, end quote, empowers us to move forward in the recovery process. It goes on to talk about fighting fear and says, how many times have I felt afraid to take a fearless inventory because it's hard to look at myself? It was something I avoided for many years due to growing up in an alcoholic home where I learned not to feel or think about myself. I was told unselfish people did not go around fixating on themselves and only thought of others. Then I found myself in Al-Anon struggling to overcome all my childhood experiences. 
I was encouraged to look at both the good and the bad in myself, to look at characteristics that helped me and others, to look at those traits in myself that needed work, and to remember I needed a higher power to help me work on the flaws. Step four is about self-acceptance, a tool that is helping me see myself with new respect and a means to work on my character defects. I like to use the word defense mechanisms. I did not need to be afraid. I learned that by taking it one step at a time, I can inventory myself and begin to move further into sanity and serenity the program offered me. It's with gratitude and fearlessness that I now embrace Step 4 as a means of living life more fully and freely. Now, when I first did Step 4, I was in AA. I didn't do it through Al-Anon to start. And it's interesting because Step 4... I can totally see where it's coming from in terms of an alcoholic perspective and how for so many people, there's these undercurrent resentments that we have that we feel like we've been wronged. And in general alcoholic behavior, I'm going to be totally broad spectrum in this. A lot of our gutter alcoholics is what this was the 12-step program was created for back in its start was the people who were really hopeless, not the people who thought, you know, maybe I drink too much, but the people who really were at the bottom of the barrel, the ones that really had wrecked a lot of havoc in people's lives. And so part of what they needed was they needed to be able to take a look at themselves and have a level of humility a level of recognition of how these behaviors had negatively affected the people in their lives and how they needed to take responsibility for that for themselves. Now, in Al-Anon, what I really enjoy about the way that Al-Anon does step four is we're looking at us as peacemakers. We're looking at us as caretakers. We're looking at us as pleasers. We're looking at the way that in general, we have put ourselves at the very bottom of the take care of things list. And we put everybody else at the top and we're trying to fix and please and manipulate situations so that everybody will be okay. And if someone's using or in the depths of despair from their addiction, we're trying to figure out which rehab they're going to go to and how we're going to help them pay their bills and how we're going to make them not be late to their job and make sure they go to their meetings and make sure that they're doing their recovery work. And in all of this power struggle, control struggle, in all of this place where we're putting everybody else's needs first, we end up getting sick. We end up forgetting that we're powerless over addiction. We're powerless over almost everything that happens out in the world and that this pleasing, this need to take care of, this need to do something for somebody else is mentally, emotionally, spiritually draining every single aspect of who we are out. So we are in the replenishing ourself. We are doing soul recovery work. We are doing the work of turning the attention to ourselves, allowing the other people to have their experience, learning where we need to take responsibility, where we need to set boundaries, these patterns that we've set up in our lives, and having grace and understanding of why those patterns have been set up. 
So in soul recovery, for me, I feel like the fourth step is a really great place to start to look at how we've created the patterns that we have, how we've created the belief systems that we live our lives by, how we've created the way that we interact with people, what are our defense mechanisms, what are our coping skills. So officially in step four, the way that it's set up in AA is you write down every single resentment that you have, and then you take a look at where it's affected your personal relations, your sex relations, your self-esteem, your economic security, your physical security, and your ambitions. And then you take a look at what role you played in it. What was your part? What's your reaction to it? Are you being selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or fearful? When you start looking at these patterns, it becomes really clear why we shut down or why we get angry or just the parts of us that get on a roll of how we start reacting when things feel out of control. So what I love about Al-Anon is it's, it does that and there's a gentleness in it that's a little bit different than an AA, although they use that same format. In soul recovery, I personally don't ask people to go back and write down every single resentment of every single thing that happened in your life because there's a major part of my personal belief in soul recovery that going back and searching for every negative thing that happened brings us emotionally back to those places. But there's generally patterns When you're working on a a loved one, a family member, there is generally, like if I was working with my son, who is an addict, then I'm going to look at times that he was deceitful to me. I'm going to look at times that I feel like he manipulated me. I'm going to look at my resentments of feeling like I had to fix what was going on for him. Those are patterns And you could go through a million stories of every single time that he got parking tickets on a vehicle that had my plate on it. So, of course, I was letting him drive a vehicle with my plate on it. So when he had a million parking tickets, guess who ended up having to pay those parking tickets? Because it wasn't him that had the consequence. It was me that had the consequence. What I think is that we want to take a look and figure out what those patterns are. And then allow ourselves the grace of seeing where our hooks are, where we're still feeling that level of resentment. Where is it in us that is giving us that energy, that grip, that every time we think about it, it, we still get a lump in our throat or we still get anxious or we still get a tight stomach. Those are the things that you want to take a look at. Then once you've gone through this step of looking at these aspects of your life, these places where we feel victimized, and we start to see how we respond to them. We start to see that we can be fearful, self-seeking, dishonest, selfish, um, or self-righteous. We can see that these are the places where we're not being our true full self. We can start to see the patterns that we set up that 
help make that situation difficult or painful. For example, my continuing to let him drive a vehicle that was plated to me. So those tickets, of course, were going to come to me. That was me being selfish because I didn't want him to not have a vehicle because then I would be a bad mom. Because then I would not be letting my kid have freedom. That was selfish and self-seeking on my behalf. And looking at that with real honesty was really powerful for me. This is a step where we look at all of the deep hidden secrets, where that secret that we've been keeping about somebody else, for somebody else, about ourselves, those secrets can make us sick. So allowing ourselves to write down these secrets, write down these resentments, get everything up and out on the table and take a look at it honestly, really honestly, not just the parts of what happened to you, which are valuable and important to look at, because generally something happens to us that we have a response to, but how we are engaging in it, how we are also playing a role in it. And then once that's done, then we want to move on to step five. And step five is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And this is learning how to trust. It says in the book, the idea of admitting our wrongs to God, to ourselves, and to someone else has deterred many from initially completing step five. However, when we take the risk of exposing the nature of our past behaviors, we may become aware of unhealthy patterns in our lives for the first time. We may also learn that for the first time that many of our worst behaviors are common to people affected by someone else's alcoholism or addiction. Change can only begin when we become aware of the things that need to change. Although change can be difficult, the benefit of seeing our part and admitting the exact nature of our part are immeasurable. Through honestly sharing about ourselves, we can find relief from the crushing hold of the disease. So when I sit down with people, I do step five differently than if you were doing it with a sponsor in the rooms. And I recommend if you are in a program, if you're an AA or you're an Al-Anon, my recommendation is to go ahead and do the program the way that the program works. There is something really important about just doing the process in which that whole system and that whole program was set up for and not trying to make it easier for yourself, right? Because that actually is a manipulation and a control. So if you're working with a sponsor, I really deeply encourage you to do step four exactly like they tell you to, and to do step five exactly like they set it up to do it. When I do step five in soul recovery, I have found that there's a lot of compassion that can come when we can see the hurt and the pain that we felt, especially in our relationships when we were kids, and especially when we were younger, and that we can begin to recognize the behaviors that we set up for ourselves, these, these defense mechanisms, I like to not say character defects, but these defense mechanisms that we set up to 
save ourselves, to keep ourselves safe, to keep ourselves able to live and exist in often sometimes difficult situations. And so for me, when I sit down with somebody and we have our higher power attending the meeting as well, and I want people to really feel that tenderness of life experience and of each of our stories and the depth of feeling that is there and to understand how painful some of these experiences were and that of course it set up for us ways of interacting with people that may have in the end not been beneficial for us they set up patterns that helped us be safe and survive at a certain time in our life, but then they don't continue to serve us well, but we don't know what else to do. We haven't learned any other skills. We haven't learned how to move a different direction, think a different way, feel a different way. And that's what we are doing in soul recovery is a lot of it is retraining ourselves to have a different perception, to have a lot of compassion for ourselves, to begin to have compassion for the other people in the situation and see everyone for where they were at, what they didn't give you that you needed with a tenderness, an allowance of doing the best that they can with what they have at the time, and that often that's not enough, and sometimes it was enough. But starting to look at things without all the emotion around it, and more from as if you're watching it as a movie. What are the facts? What was the situation? And then as you're going through it to take a look at those things of being selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, fearful, self-righteous. Oh, these are the patterns that I've set up for myself. These are the reasons why I don't trust people. These are the reasons that I don't put myself first. Oh, I can now understand why I don't feel like I have a voice. I now understand why I think it's my responsibility to fix somebody. And we can have tenderness for ourselves. We can begin to see the forgiveness, not the forgiveness that is about allowing somebody to have done things that wasn't okay and saying, it's okay that you did those things, but deep forgiveness an awareness of where people were at and a desire to let go of the blame and the shame and the guilt on all sides, a forgiveness for ourselves and a deep forgiveness for the people in our lives, releasing, letting go of the past, letting the hook in those resentments loosen and sometimes even completely let go. The past, we can't do anything about, but we can change how many times we're going to press play on that tape recorder that replays those negative emotions, those old stories. We can start to change what we decide to put into our brain, what we think and feel and believe, and let go of ruminating on the old, ugly, unhealthy stuff and completely forgive. In the AA book, after you complete step five, it says that you should go off on your own immediately after sharing all that information with someone and contemplate with yourself. 
have some time for yourself to let that come in and go through step six, where it says, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Reading again out of the workbook, over time, some of us become too comfortable living with our familiar, unhealthy behaviors. We use them many times to survival tools in situations of stress and crisis. Step six invites us to become willing to let go and let God. Remove the defects of character that now get in the way of our living life to the fullest. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it amazing to think that we have this opportunity to change, to live differently, to think differently, to feel differently? It goes on to say, sometimes the pain we experience when we don't let go of our character defects is the key to our willingness. This pain may be due to our attempt to control or our tendency to let others control us, our shutting down our emotions or yielding to them too easily, or by obsessing about our fears or living in denial. After having exhausted all possibilities, we at last become entirely ready to be relieved of our anguish and our despair. Becoming ready. Entirely ready to let God remove these defects of character, to remove these defensive mechanisms. I know when I sat in the silence after doing my fifth step and put on some wonderful meditation music, and looked at my inventory, I had a gentleness with myself, and I could also see very clearly how I had behaved in my most unhealthy ways, and how those interactions with people had not benefited me. And as a matter of fact, they had kept me from having the kinds of relationships that I wanted, that the more that I was in control, the more I was trying to control people, the more that I was out there thinking that I needed to be somebody other than who my true self was, the more I was falling further and further away from my connection with higher power and my connection with myself. So I'm going to read you what I came to when I was doing my character defects. One of the things that I love about Al-Anon that is so awesome is that it doesn't just look at the character defects. It has a major emphasis on looking at the positive traits that are the opposite of those. That for every defense mechanism, there is an asset. For every side of the coin where we're acting in one way, there is actually the opportunity to, to be the other Instead of being in fear, to be in love. Instead of being in the darkness, to come from the light. So in addition to having clarity about what these defense mechanisms, these character defects were, we're also going to be looking at what the spin side is, what the other side of the coin is, what is the asset. So these were my character defects that I came up with when I did my steps. I can be withdrawn self-seeking. I can be a victim and want self-pity. I'm self-righteous. I'm afraid. I'm avoidant. I'm controlling, defensive, denying, enabling, fearful, judgmental. I can gossip. I'm anxious. I'm isolating. I can be masked and closed, and I am selfish. That was a real honest look at myself. 
And that wasn't easy to see that this was the person that was showing up in the world that was miserable, that was miserable. How wonderful that I can ask God, that I can turn this over just like I turned over in step three, that I can see these character defects, that I can see these parts of myself, and then I can be ready to let them go. That's what step seven is. So step seven is humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. What a gift. Are we actually ready to let them go? Many of us are not ready to let them go. It's been how we've been for so long. It's not easy. So what I wrote, I said, God, I'm now willing that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my connection and usefulness to you and to the world. Give me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding, to follow your guidance, and to be a light and a message in the world. Wow. I remember the power that I felt and how the lightness that came over me that I no longer had to come from these defense mechanisms that had been how I maneuvered almost every single day in all my interactions because I was afraid. I was angry. I was bitter. I felt like I was a victim. I denied what was really going on. I wanted it all to change. I wanted everybody else to be different. But then when I turned the attention to myself and I realized I get to choose how I'm going to be in the world and that's not who I wanted to be. And the other side of these character defects are the assets, and they are outgoing, selfless, grateful, accepting, realistic, humble, modest, facing problems, tolerant, respectful, open to criticism, honest, accepting, courageous, confident, kind, closed-mouthed, and secure. Yeah. That's how I want to go out into the world. That's, that's me. That's who I am in my heart. That's who I am in my soul. When I'm connected to my higher power, this is how I show up in the world. I can hear somebody say something to me and I don't react to it like I used to. I can see another human being who's struggling. I don't take it personally. I can be accepting. I can hear somebody give me some sort of criticism, and instead of being horribly mad and defensive and controlling about it, I can say, yeah, I'm open to some feedback. I can't do better if you don't tell me better. And I can hear it with clarity and honesty and not as an attack. I can let go of the attack in my life. I don't have to attack, and I don't have to feel attacked, because I was willing to turn it over. So the prayer that I wrote for step seven, God, thank you for the gift of being a good person, a useful person, a spiritual seeker. I'm grateful for these assets and will strive to live by them and do good work for others. I remember the power that I felt, the relief that I felt when I did this really honest look at myself. And I can tell you that my past has been let go. There's still a few things that kind of hang on in there. But by working these steps, by going through this process, by having rigorous honesty, sharing with another person, 
having honesty with myself, being clear about where I'm falling short, what are my defense mechanisms, and turning the page, writing on the other side of the page who I really am when I'm connected to higher power, who I am as a healthy, whole, happy soul. My life is forever changed, forever changed. Until next time, namaste. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.